Welcome back to Moving Right Along, the Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I am also your host, Ryan Rowe. Today we are joined by... Max Jessup. That's me. I'm a wacky Muppet fan who they know. You might not know me. I'm not a contributor to Tough Pigs as much as I could be, but I'm happy to be a part of this festivity. And we are very happy to have you. Happy today, to Max. have you. So Thank you. Before we get started, I do want to I do want to point out that you are not 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 only the youngest guest we've had on the show. You are one of the youngest Muppet fans I know. You're 18, is that right? I am 18 as of currently. 18 as of currently. I don't so, understand okay. how there are Muppet fans that young. Are you what year were you born? I could do that. I was math. born 99. So you were born the same year Muppets from Space came out. I know. And it's yet you still a... managed to become a fan. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So actually, that's kind of fun because I was born the same year Muppets Take Manhattan came out, and Ryan was born the same year Great Muppet Keeper came out. So. Wow. And now everybody knows how old I am. We are all Muppet movie babies. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I milestone my life by when a Muppet movie came out or when a Muppet thing happened. So. Sure, sure, man. Me too. I think we all do. So let's jump right in and talk about minutes 15 and 16. We start minute 15 with an angry bar patron shooting at Fozzie with a gun. And we end two minutes later with Kermit swinging from a ceiling fan. I like that so, it starts out with a bang. It literally starts out with a bang, which I don't know that I've ever thought about until watching it today for this. How, like, like, it's a real gun and Fozzie gets shot at. Like, when I'm not analyzing the movie closely, I've never once thought about Fozzie being in physical danger. Yeah, that that occurred to me, too. I was thinking... We've seen guns in other movies. Like I know for sure Charles Grodin has a gun in The Great Muppet Caper. There are guns in Muppet Treasure Island. There might have been... Did Tex Richmond maybe has a gun in The Muppets? But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. This is the only time I can think of when anyone actually fires a gun at a Muppet. Yeah, and it's just played off very casually. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a, it's not a major moment in the plot. It's just a gag. Yeah, Fozzie just ducks and goes on with his act. And it's Fozzie of all people, like the the most innocent, I would say, to where it's like, oh, they're shooting at Fozzie Bear. Right, right, yeah. Although again, like it, you you weren't here last week, Max, but we talked about how Fozzie clearly has honed this act probably over a very long time at the Oslizo. So I kind of wonder if he doesn't get shot at all the time, and that's why it doesn't phase him. It seems likely. Yeah. So we also hear, uh, right at the beginning, we get the second instance of the Harry Krishna running gag. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's the best. The best running gag. Well, actually, Kermit, of course, here says, good grief, it's a running gag. And when I was a kid, that was my introduction to the concept of a running gag. Like, I, I would not have known that term, I don't think, if it wasn't for this movie. So this movie taught you about Hare Krishna and about the concept of running gags. Yes, absolutely. Ah. Yeah. And I feel like, 
I feel like on the whole, the Muppet movie is one of those movies that I, it didn't really do that for me. I, I came to the Muppets late, uh, but to where like, if you're in that context of like, this is like one of your first experiences and all that, like this is kind of setting up a lot of different plot elements. Like you're, they, they lay it all out for you. They're saying running gag. They're very fourth wall driven to where, for sure, uh, to where like by the end, it's like a lot of, you're a lot more cinema literate as, as a child after watching this. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting sure. take. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're constantly drawing attention to the fact that it's a movie. Right. And of course that's followed up by a very meta gag with Fozzie about to do his, how does it start out? There was this sailor who was so fat and then the guy stands up and breaks the glass. How fat was he? And Fozzie's response is, of course. So fat that everybody liked him and there was nothing wrong. (laughs) There was nothing funny about him at all. (laughs) Which, I I don't know about you guys, that is a joke from this movie that I think about all the time. (laughs) All the time? Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because, like, I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy. But that uh, that joke has always resonated with me. And it's something that I think, yeah, like, when any, you know, if I'm watching the match game or something and they do the, like, how dumb was she? Or Johnny Carson. Or Johnny Carson, right. I always, my mind always goes to, he's so fat that everybody liked him and there was nothing funny about it. <laughs> what do you think Fozzie's <laughs> intended punchline was? That's a good question. There was a sailor who was so fat... When know. he sits around the docks, he sits around the docks. <laughs> yeah, he really threw his weight around on that ship. Right? Um, so one interesting thing here, uh, the famous June 12th, 1978 draft of the script that we've been referring to, there were actually mm-hmm. two more um, jokes here on this on a similar theme. In addition to the fat sailor, Fozzie also said, did you hear the one about the one-eyed lumberjack? And then, of course, a one-eyed lumberjack stands up and threatens him. And then Fozzie says, did you hear the one about the really dumb midget with long green hair and ears like a donkey? And then, of course, <laughs> that person stands up and threatens Fozzie. So uh, it, that would have been funny. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the like big, fat, bug-faced baby eating O'Brien. But uh, yeah. I, I guess sure. it's okay that they cut it. I feel yeah. like it would have been a bit repetitive, but like just having that like that that's funny like it, if it was in there i wouldn't have complained right that's it just really drives home the idea that fozzy you know just can't succeed at telling a joke here right although um so one thing i noticed about speaking so that sequence you mentioned in the script where we have all these different people standing up something i noticed to again watching it today did you guys take a look at the crowd? Like when we see Fozzie, like we're behind Fozzie on the stage looking out at the crowd. Did you guys yeah. look at the, yeah. our patrons? There are so many people in random costumes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Just, which, just... which I, I, again, like I noticed uh, a, like an Indiana Jones type, which obviously Indiana Jones hadn't come out yet, but like a rugged explorer type, a French foreign legionnaire. There's a guy in blue jean overalls. There's a woman wearing a crown. There's an old woman with a flower in her hat. <laughs> and then, of course, the it's bikers. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. The bikers, who, of course, we would expect to see in a city place like this. Yeah, but they're but like, just but they're like village random people bikers. They're like village people bikers, though. Well, right, that's true. Yeah, 
It seems like they yeah, kind of but... just tried to to fill the room with sort of an assortment of CD types. Right, but an old woman with a flower on well, her hat? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. I mean, that, that must be an intentional joke, right? It must be. I guess. I don't know, but you would never notice it. Like, we're just noticing it for the first time. Right, and we've all seen this movie many times, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, you know mm-hmm. what? I, I just remembered, too. There's, uh, standing on the stairs, there's a woman standing in front of a guy with a red and white striped shirt and a mustache. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who this was. Somebody pointed out, I think on our Tough Pigs forum a few years ago, that these people are wearing the same costumes as Rita Moreno and the full body Muppet that she dances with in her episode of The Muppet Show. Oh, wow. Yeah. it's just, And he has a mustache and everything. It's just like a really weird, it must have been deliberate, but such a, a weird choice. A, a reference to an episode from two years earlier. Yeah, apparently. It's just hidden. Just, a, just an Easter egg. Yes, huh. it's definitely an Easter egg. That is fascinating. Yeah, that's huh. a cool thing. Very interesting. So maybe they're, you know, maybe it's, it's obviously not Rita Moreno, but, you know, if you want, you can consider that to be the same characters from the Muppet Show sketch, and uh, this is where they hang out, right. or maybe they got tired of hanging out in that other bar, and this, they came to the El Slizo. Right, yeah. Huh. And another, another person in the crowd who's standing right behind Kermit is uh, a guy in, like, full Arab dress. You guys know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yes. I know, another one. Right. Um, which would be, kind of, I mean, I guess it's just kind of a stock, like, old movie character or something. Yeah. But, like, I cannot help but think that this is 1979, which was the same year as the Iranian Revolution. And that must have played kind of oddly in the theater at that mm. time. You know? I mean, yeah, like, if you're an know. adult movie i I don't know it just seems like a weird choice yeah people would have thought about it differently than than we think about it now right do either of you have anything else to add about the crowd at at the el slizo so i have two things to say about the crowd at the el slizo um one is that there was another moment that was cut from that june 1978 draft of the script there was actually an appearance here by statler and waldorf Oh, uh, they were they were in the uh, the original script a lot, if I recall. Yes, I, exactly. There were several times when they pop up and comment on things that are happening. So Fozzie was going to say, come on, people, have a heart. And then Statler says, we've got a heart. And Waldorf says, what we want is a joke. Fozzie says, listen, I'm trying. Waldorf says, I'll say you're trying. And Statler says, you're downright annoying. So that was that <laughs> bit. Um, there's actually a photo of it in uh, the Muppet movie storybook that came out uh, when the movie was released. So, oh, really? Yeah. You know so... I have that book, and I've never read it. Oh, well, you huh. should uh, crack it open and look at that picture of Tyler Waldorf and the El Slizo. I think that would have been a worthy addition. I, I, I think you, what would have been a really fun idea is, like, I like the idea of them scattering Tyler and Waldorf, but if they, like... The one that works the most would have probably been here if they were to do it. Like, this is the most fitting place because they're getting to heckle Fozzie directly. Right, right, yeah. Well, we've talked about how they're being very careful to parcel out familiar Muppets throughout this, you know, the movie within the movie. So far, we've only seen Kermit and now Fozzie. So they might have just wanted to hold on to Statler and Waldorf and not, uh, you know, not throw too many Muppets at us too soon. Sure. Yeah. 
And then the other thing I was going to mention, <laughs> there's a lady in the next shot uh, when when Kermit uh, calls up to Fozzie on stage, who just, she seems like so angry <laughs> and so uptight. And uh, she's the one with the kind of frizzy hair who goes, boo! I've just always liked that lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll have to watch for her next time. I, d- I did not notice. I yeah, didn't notice either. She's sitting at a table right behind where Kermit is. Huh. We should uh, find out who it is, and you can interview her for Tough Kids. Oh, I would she's love still, to. She's still alive. I, she is um, the boo lady. I would love a full editorial like interview or whatever, like a deep dive into the extras of the Muppet movie. That would be very interesting to read. Yeah, for sure. Some of these people must still be around. Right. Well, and I think, I think I've mentioned this to you, Ryan. Um, I have a, I guess I would say, acquaintance who's a professional extra and actually worked on Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, yeah. I reached out to him once about interviewing him for Tough Pigs, and it still might happen. We just, he lives in New York, and he's, you know, he's busy. Um, so it still might happen. I hope it does. But so far, he wanted to get some pictures from his mom's house in North Dakota before we did that. That would be great if he has some cool pictures from the set. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really hope it happens at some point. From the real Pete's Luncheonette. That right. would be yeah, exactly. a very fun perspective on all that like you, you, we we look at it and uh and we're dissecting it here but it's like to to like be there in the midst of just because the muppet movies were just friggin weird and you know and right. so and so to be there would have been a really fun surreal experience to be a part of so i would i would read the heck out of that i would read the heck out of a memoir from someone who was on the set. I don't know. We, we're the kind of fans who just are always craving that kind of knowledge. We could never get enough of that kind of stuff. Right. Moving on, the next big set piece is, of course, Kermit hops up on stage, and he and Fozzie share a dance number, a full-body, big-budget movie dance number. I want to kind of point out here where something I noticed was... I think this was like probably the most telling part of it thus far, but like you can see them, uh, the Fozzie puppet changes constantly in this little nugget right here. Like you can see it uh, from like, like season two of the Muppet show to where, you know, you have the new puppet they made for the movie and for season four, whatever, season three, four. And so I, I can see like, there's definitely a change. I can see from afar they're using the old puppet and, you know, for the close-ups they use. But I, I thought that was really interesting. And the, the body didn't necessarily always work against that head, but, I mean, it, 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 it was seamless enough. And right. I don't know. I felt like that was, that was an interesting little detail I noticed. Do you think when he's dancing that's the older... Fozzie head on a new body because I don't. I do. Okay, I do. that's interesting because he had never I, really been seen full body like this before, as far as I know. I think they they made the body around that head. I, the head looks definitely a lot more, you know, that um, what do you call that cone shape compared to what you have with the uh, with the close ups where it's more squarish. Right. Huh. huh. See, I gotta say, I'm I'm in awe of people like you who can notice that kind of stuff. Like, that's so- what I paid attention for because like I I knew they they used several different puppets but like I never really like knew 
when and where, and I found out when and where today, I guess. And it's right here and right now. Yeah. Um, I will say that you're, you can definitely, like, watching it now as an adult and knowing that they, you know, shot this with several puppeteers and probably against a black background and matted them onto the stage. Right? That's probably how they did this? I think so. Yeah. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a, like, a, a backdrop. But as a kid, this was totally real to me. Like, I never questioned for a second that Kermit and Fozzie were just dancing on stage. Of course they are. They're, they said they're going to get up on stage and dance, and so they're dancing. Yeah, if I'm, right. if I'm in it, if I'm watching it, there is no, like, I, I do not disbelieve this for one moment. And it is a very good seamless effect. Like, I mean, if you do watch closely, closely it's, you know, oh, of course, that's probably what, how it was done. But it's like, it looks so good even now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know what I think really helps the illusion? That close-up of Kermit's feet through uh, Doc Hopper's binoculars. Yes. Which, obviously, those are just feet, like someone's dancing them in front of the camera. But it's like, we get this nice close-up of Kermit dancing his feet. So it's like, that's not an effect. That's just Kermit's feet. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it really helps. It's just a close-up of the feet that were already dancing. So I mentioned a second ago that we see Kermit's legs close up through Doc Hopper's binoculars. This then is our first glimpse of Doc Hopper. Here he is, the villain. Uh, uh, Yes. The villain for the movie. Um, Doc Hopper is played by Charles Durning, who, a few notes about him, he made his film debut in 1965 when he was 42 years old. Oh, wow. And he was perpetually middle-aged on screen for a few decades afterward. Um, he before this he had already appeared in some big hits like The Sting and Dog mm. Day Afternoon. He would go on in the eighties and nineties. He was kind of everywhere. Uh, you know, he was in Tootsie, Dick Tracy, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, um, bunch of bunch of other things. He was in a couple of Coen Brothers movies, right? Hudsucker Proxy and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Wow. Um, a, a, among many, many, many other credits, of course. But uh, for our purposes, we also need to note that he played. Santa Claus in Almost Saves Christmas. <laughs> he did. So he, he did the he did a Muppet <laughs> thing and a Sesame thing. Um, a Sesame thing, yeah. And he uh, he continued working right up until his death in 2012 at the age of 89. Um, and and I, we, before we move on, I should note also he was on Omaha Beach on D Day. Oh wow! So, wow. So Charles Durning lived quite a life. <laughs> that is quite a life. That is a full life. Yeah, yeah. So what do we what do we think about Doc Hopper here? Any any thoughts, gentlemen? The grimace, the 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 smile, like that's that's the character. That's what this character is going forward. And he immediately just like it's there with that like, oh, this is this is a frog that dances. Whoa. Like, you can- <laughs> Yeah, you don't. Right. He doesn't say anything in these shots, but you can just tell that he's up to no good by the way he reacts and the way he uh, interacts with Max there. And you can already tell their relationship, where it's like you know he's the menacing one, and then Max is so like in his shell, docile, and it's like oh, oh, here's a thing you like, but oh no, <laughs> right? But he's not gonna. He's not gonna be the one to say no. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It does a really efficient job of setting up their dynamic. Right. So the la- look, you guys might have some other stuff. Um, 
the last big thing that happens here is Kermit and Fozzie get the, the, the patrons rush the stage because their act is so terrible and a fight breaks out. The main thing I want to mention here is Frank Oz, of course, has a cameo as the biker who throws Fozzie around. That is an incredible uh, moment. <laughs> well, here's, here's something I was wondering about. Um, when, when Frank's f- throwing Fozzie around, Fozzie says, please, I just cleaned the fur, please. Um, obviously, Fozzie's voice was dubbed later, I'm sure, right? Like, yeah. like Fozzie's speaking so clearly. But Frank's teeth are gritted. You know, when, when Fozzie says it, Frank's teeth are gritted. And I tried it out. If I'm gritting my teeth, I can say, Hey, I did clean her. Hey, I can say I can enunciate all of the vowel sounds, which makes me wonder if Frank wasn't like saying it to get the lip sync right while holding five. That's a good observation. I wouldn't be surprised. It's not uh, Frank Oz is not a ventriloquist, but right. yeah, if they wanted to do it just to get the timing right, he could definitely say it through clenched teeth and then dub it again later. Right, and it kind of looks like he is. I mean, and, and it plays fine. If you don't know that's Frank Oz, the guy just looks angry, right? It just kind of looks like he's snarled. Just another bar patron. One of the right. village peeper people. <laughs> right, right. Our, our uh, village people biker, Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> so now but, are, you um, all, are you both picturing, like I am, Frank Oz dressed as a, a cop, Frank Oz dressed as a, I don't know, what are the other village people? There's, uh, is there's there, a construction worker, a sailor. Frank Oz is a, a sailor. Is there a fireman? Uh, I forget. I don't think. I don't think there's a fireman. There's a. There's a. You know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it in quotes. Indian was, was one of them. That's a Native American. Right. But uh, yeah. Although, would you would you picture Frank Oz as all of them? Because I'm picturing like Dave Goals as a cop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jim Henson as a sailor. Whatever. Yeah, um, well, that would make a good sailor. My my first sure, instinct yeah. is that that's a little too weird, but I don't know if it's <laughs> any weirder than just imagining Frank Oz as all of those people. Yeah, so why not? Um, oh goodness! Uh, and then, uh, so and anything else about Frank here about about that moment or about the fight in general? Is it here or is it? Oh yeah, no, never mind. I, I have something I'm going to say for next week. Same. Yeah, we, we cut off right in the middle of the fight here. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that we see is Kermit is hanging from the uh, ceiling fan, getting spun around. And there's something about the just like struggling noises that Jim Henson is making that really sells that. Because I don't think Kermit's being controlled animatronically or anything, right? I don't That's think just so. a little puppet being flung around. Just a puppet attached to a ceiling fan. Yeah, but there's something about the way Jim Henson's going, that it really feels like he's really uh, being harmed. I don't know. It's very, it's very impressive to me. I'm I trying think... to look and see, how does he even end up stuck to the ceiling fan? Because this guy swings him around, tosses him right at the fan, and then somehow it yeah. looks like in the next shot, Kermit is actually holding on to the fan, the blade of the ceiling fan. I would assume he just well, gets caught in the fan like while he's there. And it's like, oh, well, I don't want to fall. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because the alternative yeah, is falling or, or being thrown into the wall, which is worse. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right. So he's just hanging on. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of these two minutes. Do either of you have any final thoughts? Uh, I just had one other thing I wanted to point out. Have either of you 
ever played or seen the uh, 90s Muppet CD-ROM game, Muppets Inside? I've watched the videos on YouTube about it, yeah. Like so with there were, the clips. Yeah, it was a, a CD-ROM game where you had to play all these mini-games to unlock Muppet Show clips. Fozzie had a game... I don't remember what it was called, but basically he was dancing across the stage and the audience was throwing tomatoes and other fruits and vegetables at him. And you had to shoot them to make them explode before they hit Fozzie. I'm pretty sure the, uh, the footage of him dancing on the stage from this clip, uh, was what they used for that. They just had him, you know, they just kind of looped it and had him do it all the way across the stage in that video game. So that's just a little interesting thing. Huh? I wanted to take a moment to note, did, uh, did last week you guys talk about Paul Williams at all? And yeah, we talked about Paul Williams last week, yep. Well, like, I I forget, like, what comes before this, but, like, I, 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 like, the, um, I like the music because it provides that sort of irony to the situation you have. It starts off with the dancing and all that, like Paul Williams is doing, you know. I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, Paul Williams's exact uh, piano playing or whatever for the thing, but I would assume right. it is. But you right. have this sort of like plucky, play something snappy, and it starts off like the general, you know, uh, you know, they're dancing. You should see the dancing girls, blah 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 blah, and uh, and then it just goes into utter chaos. And you know, you have the the piano playing to provide some sort of like I- ironic sense of like there's chaos going around here, but but it's still vaudeville, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's perfect. Yeah, it's um, a juxtaposition. Oh, since you brought up the dancing girls, um, I did notice today the sign says presenting the El Slezo cuties. The El Slezo cuties. I love the idea that that's the name of the dancing girl troupe. Right? That's who everybody came to see. They want to see the cuties. They, they're they, so they disappointed to see, cuties, to see a, yeah. a, a bear and a frog on stage. Who cares? <laughs> Right. So, uh, with that, I think we will bring it to the end of this episode of Moving Right Along. Max, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And do you think you'll be able to come back next week? Certainly, certainly. I'd uh, love, to, uh, right. love to be back. All right, wonderful. So, um, we'll see everyone then. In the meantime, be sure to check out toughpigs.com on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist, and you can find Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. Max, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter uh, with the handle at Beakerboy12. And love it, love it. Yes, I am referring to Beaker the Muppet. Oh, I thought you were just really into chemistry. Oh, I wish. But uh, yeah, you can find me there. You can you know, stalk me and find me other places, but that's my primary source of commentary, often Muppet commentary. So if you're right. And, and you've been putting out some good Star Trek content too, for our, for our listeners who are Star Trek. fans. Yes. Yes. I've just gotten into all of that realm and I love it. And so if you're, if you're into stuff about that, I'm writing stuff about that. I'm just, I write about everything. Uh, so if you like that sort of stuff, it's all over the place. Follow me. That's right. Do they still right. say Trekkies? You can say Trekkies. You can say Trekkers. You can say trek enthusiasts. Doesn't matter, <laughs> man. Trekkers. Yeah, yeah, Trekkers. Sure, sure. Why not? 
I prefer Trekophiles. Sure, yeah, that's based on uh, X-Files fans, right? Yes. But, <laughs> Star Trek version. Um, anyways, alright, thank you for joining us, everyone. We will see you next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye! Yay!